Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. See, when I mention Holy Spirit to many people that come to church, that's how they go like, this church believes in the Holy Spirit, I'm out of here as soon as the door opens. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not weird. If you don't have any church background, you're lucky. Because you haven't seen weirdness. Too much of our Christian TV is weirdness. They're weird people who say it's the Spirit of God. It's never the Spirit of God. It's them. If you asked someone what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, most would answer, love your neighbor as yourself. They'd be right, partly. Right before he spoke about loving others, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. Loving your neighbor the way Jesus means isn't possible without the first part of that commandment. Only God can empower us with the ability to love like that. I mean, think about it. Not everyone is easy to love. As we'll hear in today's study, all of the things the Lord has commanded us to do are impossible in our own hands. But in His, there are no limits. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18, with our continuing study entitled, How Jesus' Birth Changed Everything. So here is Jesus being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and that brings the empowering of God so that he can do ministry. So write this statement down, please. Everything Jesus did was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived under the influence of of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's what Jesus did, you're going to see in a moment, that's what we have to do. We're men. We're women. We're not even God. We couldn't operate as God because we're not. So everything that Jesus Christ did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, as he's getting baptized here, we know nothing really. There's no miracles until he is empowered with God. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. Nothing before it. Now, turn to Luke 4.1, you're right close by, and I want you to see something. I want you to see two words. As Jesus comes out of the water, he begins to move away, and he leaves, and notice what it says. Jesus, circle this word, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was, circle this word, led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Notice, Jesus is full. He's still full. He's still under the influence. The Spirit has come upon him. And so he has that ability now to be led by the Spirit. What happens, and you'll see this as we move through, if you're a Christian this morning, do any 
any of you here in this campus or other three campuses, any of you need to be led by God? Do you, do you need God's wisdom? you need God's direction in anything in your life? Could I see your hand? That's everybody. Well, Romans says, if I'm a child of God, if the Holy Spirit resides in me, I'm led by God. So we have... We can be led by the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see later, that talks about where he goes with his feet. He's led by the Spirit to go here and there. Now, as you begin thinking about that, it's a great privilege. Well, notice where he's led. He's led into the wilderness. Let's sneak over to uh, verse 14. You're right there, verse 14. He's led into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation. The Spirit leads him there. And he defeats Satan during those 40 days. And after 40 days, he comes out of the wilderness and he heads back up north to his home area, Galilee. But look what it says in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee, up home, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. After 40 days of battling Satan... He's still filled, influenced, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That says this, that the Spirit-filled life is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's depending today on the power of the Spirit, God's power, who can live in us and direct us. Now, he does a little bit of ministry, a few little towns... His name is going everywhere. People's lives are being changed. And he heads to his hometown. That's where we pick it up again. So look at 418. You're close by. Remember, I asked you to circle a word. Let's see what it says. He walks into Nazareth. He begins his teaching. And here's what he says. The spirit of the Lord is what? Tell me. Uh, On. On. Same word. The spirit of the Lord is overflowing me. It's influencing me. And that's, then he says, it's anointing me. And now I've come to do these things. All those things that we talked about. So Jesus had to depend totally on the power of God's spirit affecting his life. That we call the spirit-filled life. So as you begin to look at that, it should begin to make sense to you that Jesus is our perfect example He lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was modeling that spirit-filled life for his disciples. Now, Jesus would give us three kind of greats. And I want you to turn to Matthew, and I want you to show how this works. He would give us the great commandment. He would give us the great commission. And then he would say, well, here's the great empowerment. Now, he did more than that, but these are huge. If you turn to Matthew chapter 22 and go down to verse 36, I want you to write this down this morning. These passages that we're going to read is called the great commandment. And and here's what the great commandment was. And he was saying to his disciples, if you're going to minister hurting people, you have to love God and you have to love the people. You have to love God and you have to love the people. So look at it right here in verse 36. Somebody says, teacher, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, well, here's number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. In other words, God comes first in our life. This is the first and greatest commandment. But notice verse 39. And the second is, well, it's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, how do we love God? Well, the Bible says in many places, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we love God by obeying him. How do we love others? By showing love to them. You'll see that in action in a moment. So the greatest commandment are these two. And every other thing we do hangs on them. Every other thing we do hangs on them. And I can't do that without the power of God. Because lots of people are not really lovable. And to be honest, I want to love me more than anybody. More than God. I selfish. You know what that means. Especially this time of the year. If you have grandkids, give them all these gifts. Is there more? Is there more? Is, there more? is that it? He went, man, we, look at all these gifts. What do you mean, is there more? We used to get, here, here's the old story we like to give them. I can't, my dad, all we got was an orange. How many remember back, if you remember back that far and your memory's still good, praise God for you. That's good. All right, now, turn to Matthew 28. There's more, there's more than the great commandment. There's the great commission. This shows us the heart of God. If I love God and I love people, I'm going to share the gospel. Because the greatest need, lost people matter to God. It's about the world that's lost. Go down to verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, he's getting ready to go back to heaven. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And the, here's the Trinity again, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just look at me for a second, the attention. Disciple, when you become saved, you're a convert. Conversion is always to lead to discipleship. Too many people become converts and nothing happens. Well, I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You're supposed to be a disciple, a learner under discipline. You're supposed to be coming like Christ so that you can minister like Christ. So, well, how do I move from a convert to a disciple? Here, look at the end. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to. And by the way, surely I'm with you, Deanna. I'm here with you. So what does that mean? I can't share the great commission unless I'm filled with the power of God. I have to have the heart of God. I have to love people, but I have to have the power of God to go and share the gospel with the lost. And number three, where does that power come from? Turn to Acts. Acts. Back up one, uh, two books past Luke. Acts chapter one. Get on to verse eight. Basically, Jesus' last statements before he heads, he's uh, translated to heaven. He says to his disciples, He'd already given them the great commandment and the great commission. And after his resurrection, they're ready to go minister. And he says, no, 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 no. What I had to minister, you have to have to minister. You're not ready yet. Well, wait a minute. We've been with you for three years. We know the deal. We know the story. We know how to witness. We've watched you. No, you're not ready. And then he says to them in verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8, this is called the great empowerment. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. What word do you see there? There's the word on again. Upon you. Overflows you. Influences you. So let me read it from the beginning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be weird. Is that what it says? See, when I mention Holy Spirit to many people that come to church... 
That's how they go like, this church believes in the Holy Spirit. I'm out of here as soon as the door opens. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not weird. If you don't have any church background, you're lucky. Because you haven't seen weirdness. Too much of our Christian TV is weirdness. They're weird people who say it's the Spirit of God. It's never the Spirit of God. It's them. It's them. So he says, well, what is the purpose then of being filled with God's power? Let's look at it. And then you will be my witnesses, sharing the good news, touching hurting people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the end of the earth. So if I'm going to love God and love people, if I'm going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, the only way I can do it is the great empowerment. That's the statement. Notice, the great empowerment. I have to live under his influence. Now look at me. All the campuses, look at me. Here's the question. Are you filled with God's power? Are you living under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Or are you trying to meet the needs of hurting people, trying to do life in your own strength, in your own wisdom? That's always the question. You see, the disciples wanted to go without the upper room, without the Pentecost experience, without the Holy Spirit coming on them. By the way, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. That's when the church, boom, it goes all over the world. In 20 years, they turned their world upside down because they did it the way Jesus said. The Holy Spirit had to come upon them. It was a lifestyle. But see, today, we want to do it, and don't get me wrong, lots of neat stuff here with the thing and all kind of technology. We love all that stuff. I love it. Technology cannot replace the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that if I'm going to do what God asked me to do, I can't do it in my own wisdom and strength. I have to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't explain the Holy Spirit to you. Oh, I can, but I don't have time this morning. We can have three relationships with the Holy Spirit. This whole teaching takes a little more than an hour, but here they are. Number one, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in anybody's life, he comes alongside us. And remember, the Holy Spirit's God, and he speaks to us. And here's what he does. He comes alongside to convict us, to say to us, you need God. You need to be forgiven. You need to understand that what that guy is teaching is my word. And God sent his son to die for you. So he does all of that. He's doing that to some of you in the service. He does it to everybody in our Billy Graham services, Greg Lloyd's, by the millions of people here. And it's the Holy Spirit convicting somebody and going, I'm God. You say, well, is that the feeling I get? Yeah, that, that's God speaking to you. I, if I would say to you right now, at 12 noon, at 12 noon today, God's coming, and everybody that's a Christian goes to heaven, everybody doesn't, is never going to heaven. Do you know if you're a Christian? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ? Whoa! Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing without the 12 noon and whatever. He's just trying to say to you, forgiven people go to heaven, good people don't go to heaven. So he convicts us. The minute you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's how everybody becomes, you have to repent. It means you're sorry enough to change your way. You have to believe, and believe is an action that means if this chair is here, I sit down. Believe is not like, oh, I, there's a chair there, I believe in that. No, it's enough to sit down and put your life on it. It's action. And number three, you receive the gift. If you do that, the Holy Spirit goes from alongside, right inside you. So I become, as Corinthians says, the temple of God. 
I have God inside me. Could I hear an amen for that? That's, that's good. Do you think that will make a difference? Hello? So I have direction, I have comfort, I have wisdom, I have all the things that I need because God lives inside me. So he comes inside me. So every Christ follower has God, the Holy Spirit, living in them. But there's another experience. And you've read the word all day, upon, on, upon, on. Some people debate whether they're this third, but here's what they'll say. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit in you. It's something else to have the Holy Spirit controlling you, upon you, filled under his influence. So that's the third experience, and that's what you just read. That's what we believe. So everybody that has the Holy Spirit in them, going to heaven. But you cannot, I cannot, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what kind of denomination you come from. You can be Charles Stanley or, or Chuck Swindoll or any of those people or a pure Pentecostal. Forget the terms. The key is, are you filled with God's power right now? Is he influencing your life? Well, he, for sure he's there. But are you letting him control your life, not as a robot, but willingly, excitingly? So what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. Let's go back and see how good your memory is from about 40 minutes ago. Today, today as a Christ follower, and, and we'll try it with those signals, and let's, you know, see if you get it. I'm to be the... Good, good. Second word is... And... Of who? Yeah, not of you. Not of your neighbor. But of Jesus. So I'm supposed to be the... Mouth, speaking. I'm supposed to be the hands, touching, ministering to her to people, and the feet being directed to where I need to go. Right? We all got it? Okay, so we're going to watch Jesus do this. We're going to watch Jesus do this. And so you'll understand, that translates to you in everyday life. That's exactly what it is. So we're going to watch his feet, we're going to watch his mouth, we're going to watch his hands. Right down here in Luke, go down to verse 31. Now here's how it's going to work. And it's going to be exciting as we go through it. When we leave him off, let me give you a little summary of what happens between when he makes that announcement in Nazareth and where we pick up verse 31. Just look at me for a moment. When Jesus made the announcement he was Messiah, the reaction of the people in the synagogue was, yeah, right. We know you. You're Joseph's son. No way. From Nazareth, you're not the Messiah. Jesus already knew that that would be the reaction. See, when you share truth, everybody isn't going to say, oh yeah, I want to get saved right now. No, they rejected Jesus. And then Jesus made some amazing statements. He says, you know, you're just like the Jews people in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little history. In the Old Testament, God would send prophets to the Jewish people to say, you're not doing right. Here's how you do it. And they always seemed to reject the prophet. They just went on their own way, rebellious. Doesn't remind you of anybody, does it? Because we're the same way. So Jesus says, he gives two illustrations, I don't have time to give them this morning, of two prophets that came to the Jewish nation, they rejected him, both of the prophets. So God sent those two prophets to bless two Gentile women. Now, if you want to make a Jew mad in the old day, you tell them that the Messiah is coming not only for them, but for Gentiles. So they took Jesus and they tried to throw him off a cliff. You'll see that in the passage. They're trying to throw him off. And the scripture says that we don't understand. He walks right through the crowd. Now, how did he do that? I have no idea. 
But he had the spirit of God. He kind of went, to hear today. I don't know. But he walked right through the crowd. And the next place we see him, look at verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum. Then he went down, not too far away, maybe half a day's walk. Now let me ask you a question. How did he get to Capernaum? He did what? What, what did he use to walk? His feet. So why did he go to that town versus another town? Why did he go there? I don't know. I do know why he went. He went because he was led by God. He was led by God. You know, when we started this church, we were led to come to Melbourne. That's why you have a place to sit this morning. Because God was thinking of you 20 years ago. That's right. See, our, our feet are to be led. Yesterday was a miserable day, you know, with rain. And like an idiot, I went shopping to get some stuff. And I'm thinking while I'm out at Sam's, you idiot, soaking wet. Why didn't I wait till another day? Well, I'm in there and I run into two people with blue. And they had a question. So we sat and talked a while. When I walked out of the store, I didn't get nothing. But I knew why I was led there. See, I'm no different than you. God opens doors. He leads us to places. You can be led by God. And that's where the excitement was. As wet as I was, as miserable as I was, I knew why I was there. So Jesus goes there, and what's he do? And it says, on the Sabbath, he began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. So we see Jesus' feet getting him there. What's the next thing he uses? Tell me. Point to it. Point to it. His mouth. He's speaking. Now, notice he goes to the synagogue again to teach. People are freed by the word of God. By teaching. They hear the truth. And the truth sets people free. If you don't know how to get saved, I already told you once today, I'll tell you again. That will set you free for eternity. Because of the truth sets people free. Now, Jesus' teaching was filled with God's power. It was anointed. And the people knew it was something very different than what they'd been hearing. Many of the Jewish teachers, the rabbis, they would say, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and this person says this. Jesus doesn't have to quote anybody. He is the word. So he says, here's the truth. And they went, wow, this is amazing. His teaching was different. Now, what Jesus is going to do, he's anointed to teach, but he teaches the word. I want you to see this verse and explain it to you quickly. This is our goal here because it's the goal of Jesus. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus says this, speaking to religious people. And just look at me and then we'll explain the verse in a moment. Typically in church, we have two camps. We have camps over here that are good in the word. They teach a lot of the word, really good, solid, solid teaching, whatever. And then over here we have people that they really understand the the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. Today we learn the secret to loving God and people, sharing the gospel, and about how to minister to others through the great empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus pointed out to the skeptical Sadducees how they were lacking in their knowledge of the Word, and how that left them without the power of God. But the people who were faithful, He called His disciples. If you're His, then you'll know the truth and power of God. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark gives us a poignant illustration of just how we're to be used by God. When we're willing, we can be led. The Holy Spirit that abides in us also gives us power over the darkness of the world. When Jesus preaches to people for the first time, they will know they're hearing something exciting and different. That's because Jesus' word is alive today and forever. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.